really matters? That might be the most important question you can ask. So let's talk about it. Welcome to What Really Matters podcast, Everyday Spirituality with Karen Wyatt. Today I'm going to be discussing with you the shadow, and I believe this will be the first of probably several episodes because this is a really big topic to cover, and I would like to go fairly deep into it. But before I get started, I just wanted to remind you that this podcast is supported through my page on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash E-O-L-U. That page supports this podcast and my other podcast, End of Life University, by the small donations that listeners like you make on either a monthly basis or some are making an annual contribution toward the podcast, which just helps me defray the expenses I incur in keeping this podcast on the air. So I just wanted to let you know about that page. If you're interested in being a supporter, you can go to patreon.com slash EOLU and learn how you can sign up and join the team. So I wanted to go back to last week's episode. We talked a little bit about why death awareness is necessary for spiritual growth. And I mentioned some ideas about the the outward arc of life where we focus primarily on how we're moving through the world and looking at external factors in our lives. And that something triggers, uh, you know, somewhere along this journey of life, something triggers us to begin the inward journey, the inward arc of life, where we begin to look at ourselves and work on ourselves. And that's actually when the spiritual journey toward enlightenment really begins with whatever it is that triggers us to begin to look inward and to work on ourselves. Part of that spiritual journey and what we're actually working on within ourselves is our own shadow and bringing light to the dark parts of ourselves that that we hold and carry within us. This shadow aspect of ourselves is really part of our ego or our lower consciousness. And I think of it as a repository in some way, almost a safe, where we put things that we can't face, things that we don't want to look at or deal with. So that safe of our shadow holds a lot of pain and wounds and discomfort and misery. And oftentimes it holds the things that we don't like about ourselves. And perhaps we've been told we shouldn't like those things about ourselves. So we end up locking them away in this dark, safe, deep inside, trying to protect ourselves from seeing what's really there and really getting an honest view of who we are, the full spectrum of who we are. So all of our positives as well as all of the negative features that we have. And Michael Gruber describes the shadow as containing all the dark parts of us we can't face. It's the thing that if we don't deal with it, eventually poisons our lives. And that's why this spiritual journey is so important, because the spiritual journey actually involves opening up that safe and shining a light inside to what is contained there, really looking at the pain and the wounds and the negativity and the darkness that we have inside of us. And 
most of us are absolutely terrified of doing that. So we tend to avoid it as long as possible. But it's that inflection point, that critical event or experience that happens in life that turns us onto the inward arc that forces us to begin to look within and examine the shadow and begin to heal some of the old pain and some of the wounds that we're carrying with us. If we don't do our our work on our shadow, eventually we end up projecting whatever it is that we have relegated to to our own safe deposit box deep inside of us. We project it onto other people. And you see this all the time around you. You probably do it yourself, but you may not be as aware of it within yourself and your own behavior as you are in other people. But you probably know someone who's extremely critical of other people, but accuses other people of being critical all the time. And so that person is blind to the fact that they themselves do the very behavior that they can't stand in others. And all of us are blind. All of us protect ourselves from looking at the reality of who we are and from seeing the things that we cannot bear to face about ourselves. But it is essential if we want to grow spiritually that at some point we begin to take a look within and see what's there. Carl Jung wrote, one does not become enlightened by imagining figures of light, but by making the darkness conscious. The latter procedure, however, is disagreeable and therefore not popular. And Carl Jung is very right about that. Many people refuse to go on the inward journey, on this inward arc of self-development and spiritual growth because they simply are not willing in the end to look at their own shadow. And that becomes the thing that begins to destroy them from the inside out ultimately if they're not willing to do this work. And the goal of shadow work I just wanted to state it right here so we we get this and make it clear, is not to eliminate the parts of ourselves that are contained within the shadow, but to reintegrate those parts, to make the darkness of ourselves part of ourselves again, instead of a part that has been split off and separated, instead of a part that we reject, that we decide is not us, that we don't want as part of our identity. It's essential that we embrace the dark parts, embrace our flaws and our weaknesses and our wounds and our pain and integrate them back in to the wholeness of who we are because we can't be who we truly are without those shadow parts. We need them as part of ourselves. We need to reincorporate them. So shadow work involves not rejecting those parts of ourselves, but actually learning how to love them and bring them in and forgive them more or less so that they can become part of the whole picture of who we are. But we live in a society that does not support us in doing this shadow work. In fact, our culture, our society, this is, I'm talking about Western society where uh, most of us listening to this podcast live, rejects the idea of the shadow and of the weakness and the darkness that's contained in the shadow. Um, 
Richard Rohr, uh, who I quote here often, has written, Western civilization has failed to learn how to carry the shadow side of all things. Our success-driven culture scorns all failure, powerlessness, and any form of poverty. And he goes on to say, many of us have little ability to carry our own shadow side, much less the shadow side of our church, group, nation, or period of history. But shadow lands are good and necessary teachers. They are not to be avoided, denied, fled, or explained away. They are not even to be forgiven too quickly. And I'm going to come back to that last sentence. They're not to be forgiven too quickly because that was a real eye opener to me. But first, I just want to go back and talk about these shadow lands. I like um, that Richard Rohr uses that word because we can look at our spiritual journeys as part of the journey as we're traveling through our own shadow lands, through our own darkness. And it's frightening and it's painful to revisit some of the wounds that have happened to us in the past. And as an example, I will tell you that I have worked with patients in the past who were sexually abused as children, but completely forgot that that had ever happened to them because that memory became suppressed and made part of of the shadow that was hidden deep deep and far away. And yet those very patients began to develop physical illness symptoms because they were hiding in the shadow a painful wound that that needed to be healed. And eventually, when the memory was able to come to the surface, and they had to be psychologically strong enough before those memories could come to the surface. But for those patients, when they were able to remember the trauma they had experienced and actually go through the process of healing it, their physical symptoms disappeared. And so while they had been traveling down this path of of trying medical treatments and medical cures for the symptoms that they had, nothing ever helped them. It was only after looking at the shadow and doing the work, shining the light, healing the wound, and loving themselves and loving their entire lives, no matter what trauma had happened in the past, that it's only when they had been able to accomplish that, that the physical symptoms went away because they weren't needed anymore. Those physical symptoms were like warning flags coming up saying, there's something wrong deep inside that you must look at, you have to deal with. Or as Michael Gruber said, it will poison you and it will destroy you from the inside out. It will destroy your physical health and your emotional health and prevent you from growing spiritually if you don't come to a point where you have the courage to look at it. So that's why doing this shadow work is so essential. And one thing I I want to assure you is that if there is a, a repressed memory that you're carrying that has been too painful, that is too shattering, that you have not been able to carry in the past, it, it does not come to the surface until you are able to carry it. And so some 
some people I've worked with have a lot of fear around even beginning to address shadow, a fear that some, some memory will come up that will overwhelm them and destroy them. But I've never seen that happen. The memories don't return to us until we're ready to look at them, until we're strong enough and until we've done enough other work. And not all of us have traumatic memories that are stored in our in our shadow safe deposit box either. So it doesn't necessarily mean that there will be painful memories that will come up. It may just be behaviors of, of our ourself that we don't like, that we can't bear to admit that we have, and weaknesses and flaws that we don't want to see in ourselves. That may be where we start, and that may be all that we find that's there in the shadow. So I want to reassure you, if you are feeling fear about doing this work and entering into your own shadow and darkness, take it slowly, take it gradually, but trust that you will be able to manage whatever you are able to see because you won't be able to see it if you're not, if you are not ready for it. And so in the next few episodes, I'll probably talk more about how we look at the shadow and some practices we can do around that. But I wanted to emphasize again what Richard Rohr said, that the shadow lands are good and necessary teachers. I think that's a good mindset to have as we begin shadow work, to view it as a time of learning and a time of, of being taught by our own darkness within us, things that we need to know about ourselves, and to begin to see the darkness not as fearsome and terrifying, but as a place where there is the potential for rich wisdom and knowledge. So this is a good time to think of the metaphor of the lotus flower, which you may know grows from the mud, only from mud. It grows in these swampy, marshy areas where the that have a lot of mud at the bottom, and the lotus flower begins to grow up through the mud and through this murky water. And the blossom of the lotus is completely covered by protective petals, protective leaf petals um, that that keep it tightly closed until it reaches the surface of the water. So it grows up and up and up through this dark, murky, muddy water until it reaches the surface. Once the blossom has broken the surface of the water and is touched by the sunlight, the blossom then opens and it will open in the morning. It rises up above the water in the morning when the sun's available and opens to reveal these incredibly beautiful petals of of the lotus blossom in that comes in many colors but I love the pink ones myself um and these petals are open to receive the sunlight all day, but the lotus blossom then closes itself again and recedes down below the water at night. So it only opens in the daytime when it's available to receive the sunlight. And I think that's a really nice metaphor to think about. For one thing, the mud is necessary for this growth to occur. It won't occur without a muddy foundation available without the darkness there for the blossom to begin to grow. 
but it also recognizes when there's enough light present to breach the surface of the water and then open to take in the sunlight, the power and the beauty of the light. So if we can think of our own shadow as holding many, many buds of of lotus blossoms and that the shadow is nurturing them and they're growing there gradually. When there's enough light present and we can bring enough light into ourselves, we will create the perfect opportunity for those blossoms to rise above the murk and the mud and open to receive the light. That's when healing will occur. So I think that's a lovely metaphor and and a way to help us be less afraid of the darkness to remember that it's a necessary, rich, nurturing place where the potential for growth always exists. And think about about things that are planted underground in the dark, in the dark soil and kept in the dark. Think about the um, daffodil and tulip bulbs that we plant in the fall and they stay in the darkness underground in the soil all winter. And it's necessary for them to stay there all winter before they can bloom and grow in the spring. So again, it's the light of the sun returning in the spring that encourages the growth above the soil and for the the flower bud to appear and ultimately to open just like the lotus. So think of this darkness within the shadow, not as something fearsome, but as a warm and nurturing place where the new growth that is meant to happen for you spiritually is actually being fed and tended to and taught. And when the timing is right and when there's enough light present, it will open gradually and it will be beautiful and it will be something that you can embrace and that you will feel you can heal and you can carry in a beautiful way for the rest of your life. Another metaphor that I like to talk about is the metaphor of the butterfly, which, you know, begins its existence as a caterpillar, a completely different organism that uh, wanders around slowly and consumes leaves, large amounts of leaves and grows and grows, outgrows its skin and becomes fatter and larger and larger with everything that it eats until at at one point it's triggered to just dangle from a leaf and spin a cocoon around itself. And it's within the cocoon that the shadow work I'm I'm going to suggest is happening. So when we are doing our shadow work, it's as if we are inside the cocoon. And for the caterpillar, What's happening within the cocoon is that it is actually slowly being dissolved away. It secretes enzymes that dissolve its old self away. And so the caterpillar in many ways is being destroyed by this shadow work that's happening inside the cocoon. And there's, um, I mean, if you were to anthropomorphize the caterpillar, it might be feeling frightened of this darkness inside the cocoon and, and the dissolution and having everything it knows of itself dissolving and disappearing away. 
But what remains of the caterpillar are these imaginal cells that the caterpillar contained all along. They were part of the caterpillar all along, um, but were latent and inactive. And once the caterpillar dissolves into this gooey substance, the imaginal cells become activated and migrate until they find one another. And it's the imaginal cells that contain the butterfly that will, that contains the, the uh, genetic material for the butterfly. So when the imaginal cells come together, migrate together, all of the, the DNA that's necessary for the butterfly comes to one place and the butterfly begins to form inside the cocoon. But again, it's this process in the darkness of the dissolution of the caterpillar that has to occur before the butterfly can begin to form. And the butterfly takes time to develop. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen instantly or automatically. There's there's a lot of time involved in this process. Another thing that I was reading is that, in fact, the butterfly has to struggle to get out of the cocoon. And so the butterfly has to rip open the cocoon and really struggle with it in order to be released. And that if someone were to come along and just cut open the cocoon to make it easier for the butterfly, the butterfly would actually die because it's the struggle as that forces blood into the butterfly's wings and that helps the wings develop so that the butterfly will be strong enough to fly. And if the cocoon is open too quickly and there hasn't been the struggle to uh, push the circulation into the wings, then the butterfly isn't strong enough and can't fly and therefore can't live. And that's really profound to me as well that this entire process of spiritual growth and transformation, which is what the birth of a butterfly is, a transformation, uh, it takes time and it has its own timing and it involves struggle. And the struggle is necessary. If we tried to eliminate the struggle, we would sabotage the entire process taking place. That's where I think we have gone astray as a society is that we have had the desire to eliminate as many struggles as possible in life. We've tried to make life easy and tried to free ourselves of any of the suffering of life and free ourselves from the pain and the discomfort of life. But the reality is those struggles are essential if we're going to be strong enough to transform into who we're meant to be, into our full and complete selves. And so the struggle in the darkness, inside the cocoon, in the mud of the marsh, um, underground for the, the tulip bulb, the struggle that we go through and, and experiencing the darkness and not being able to see through it for a time is all necessary and all essential if we're going to grow to become our best and highest selves. So the spiritual journey, much of it takes place in the darkness. And that, that is the most essential fact we can remember about our spiritual growth. As Carl Jung was saying, it isn't all about lightness and angels and um, hearing beautiful music. 
it is about getting dirty and down in the mud and feeling the discomfort and going through some fear and pain and some worries and not knowing where we're headed and not having all the answers. We do have to allow ourselves to go through that process if we want to truly transform, if we want to truly grow spiritually. So this idea of doing shadow work, in many ways, once we begin that inward arc, once something wakes us up and we feel compelled to start looking within ourselves and working on ourselves, you know, we're already on the path toward looking at our own shadow. It's already happening and it will come up almost naturally and automatically. But there are some things that we can do to help ourselves with shadow work. First of all, just understanding the process, not fearing it, not trying to run away from it when it begins to happen within us and not reject it. And so to be prepared that shadow issues will come up. And there will be times that I've I myself have had numerous experiences where in the midst of a conversation, I actually, it's as if I stepped outside myself and looked at myself and thought, oh my goodness, I don't like who I am right now. I do not like what I just said. I don't like myself. I'm not a very nice person. When And it was like the first time I had ever seen a certain quality within me. And that was coming up from my shadow. It was like coming into my awareness about myself. And that gave me the opportunity to say, why did I say that? Why did I behave that way? Where did that come from? So that's when my work could truly begin. As soon as I saw myself and saw something, that was the light coming into the shadow and exposing something that had been hidden there. Then I could take out my journal and start writing about it and start looking at that. Like, where did it come from? What What is this that I've been hiding inside of me and why I need to recognize this about myself? Because something needs to heal so that I can reincorporate this behavior in a more positive way and make it become a good part of who I am instead of a part of me that hurts other people. So as I'm saying, once you begin the inward arc of your spiritual journey, you will start having experiences like that. And it's important that you recognize what's happening and you be willing to look at yourself honestly and to feel the pain of, of seeing who you really are and seeing your own flaws and weaknesses and then also working on them, writing about them, thinking about them, forgiving yourself for them. So this is part of, of what this journey is about. It's rich and deep. There's so much to be learned here. And so I think we will talk about it multiple times because, because I really want to stress how important it is. And again, because in our society, you don't hear this very often. Not very many people are teaching you how to do your own shadow work and how to look at your painful self that you are afraid to see. So I really want to dwell on that for a while and go over it. But I'm going to return to that statement that I told you. I made a big impact on me this week from Richard Rohr 
which was, but shadow lands are good and necessary teachers. They are not to be avoided, denied, fled, or explained away. They are not even to be forgiven too quickly. It was that last statement, they are not even to be forgiven too quickly, that really made an impact on me because I realize in my own spiritual practice, I place a lot of importance on the idea of forgiveness and I'm constantly trying to forgive, even forgiving in the moment, little things that happen, forgiving very quickly because because I value forgiveness and I feel it's a really important step to take. But Richard Rohr reminded me that perhaps there is value in letting the lotus blossom sit in the mud as long as it needs to, letting the tulip bulb be underground for an entire winter, letting the larva of the butterfly remain inside the cocoon as long as it takes. And that be in my own mind, valuing forgiveness so much and pushing toward forgiveness of myself, of other people, of my past, of, of past trauma, may have become a way of bypassing the pain. And so it helped me to look at how a good thing like forgiveness can actually be used once again to deny the shadow and to try to rush through the work of the shadow. So it was a great reminder for me to sometimes just sit with something and let it be and not be pushing myself all the time to say, I forgive that. I'm going to get over that. I let that go. I release it. I forgive it. But to say, I will carry it. I will be with it. I will be with this pain. And, um, I think that that's a, a much better stance to have and a much better practice. And it helped me realize that even my desire for the goodness of forgiveness is another way of denying the shadow or trying to rush through the shadow and the pain of it in a way. So that's why that, that statement was really profound for me this week. So I've been reflecting on it a lot and you know, observing myself and, and thinking about it whenever I feel like I'm being a little too quick to forgive something within myself that it's okay. I don't have to carry hatred or anger, but if I push too hard for that positive release of forgiveness too quickly, there might be things I still need to learn that I haven't received yet. So I'm working on just being able to hold what's there and carry it with me and carry the shadow and receive all the teaching and the nurturing that's available from the dark times and the shadow uh, before I move on to bringing in to the light of forgiveness. So that's what I wanted to share with you. And before I go, I, I have a practice that I'll share with you. It's called the guest house meditation, and it's based on a poem by Rumi called the guest house. And I think this is something a really good thing to do as we're looking at the shadow. Um, so I'll read the poem first. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, 
still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. And so for this practice, begin by sitting in a comfortable position. Close your eyes and take some deep breaths as you relax into this exercise. Imagine your inner world as a large house with many rooms and a large front door. When you feel ready, open the front door and welcome in the guests who have been waiting outside. Observe each guest and identify who has come to call on you today. Is it sadness, regret, envy, anger, fear? Note any positive visitors who have come as well, such as laughter, hope, gratitude, or peace. Allow each guest to enter and find a place inside. Greet all of your guests and invite them to stay as long as needed. Sit quietly and observe your guests as you continue to take deep breaths. Make note of any strong reactions occurring or emotions arising. Commit to looking at them, if not now, then at some time in the future when you feel strong enough. End the meditation by opening the door again and allowing your guests to leave freely. When you feel ready, open your eyes and write in your journal about this experience. Which guests arrived at your door? Were they willing to come in? If so, how did you feel when they came into your house? How did they behave? Were there any problems or disturbances that arose? How do you feel now after doing this exercise? Was anything cleaned out of your house? What else do you need to look at? What were your guides showing you today? So that's just a little guided meditation that you can use, a a practice you can use if you want to do some shadow work. And uh, I like this idea of not even we don't even know what what's in the shadow and what will come up and viewing our own shadow as a guest house where visitors come to the door and they're strangers to us at first and it's the unknown we have no idea who will show up but welcoming whoever comes and being ready to allow them in and to allow them to teach us whatever they have to share i think that's the attitude we need to have as we're working on our own shadows Trusting once again that no one's going to be at the door who's going to destroy us. Uh, only, only those will come who are ready to teach us something that, that we can learn from. And we might be scared and it might be painful. Oftentimes it is painful to look at who we are. And it's painful when we realize, oh my gosh, I'm just like that person that I can't stand. I just behaved in the very same way as that person. And it hurts when we have to see these truths about ourselves. But as soon as we can, for one thing, not only will we be able to love ourselves more deeply and thoroughly, but we will stop projecting onto other people. We will stop hating other people 
for having the tendencies that we dislike about ourselves. And it's refreshing and you will feel a lightness about you and it will help you relate to other people more easily once you begin to do this work. So I encourage you to spend a little time thinking about your shadow, thinking about being the the lotus in the mud or the tulip bulb underground or the butterfly larva in the cocoon and remember that there is something more. There is something coming in the future, but we just can't rush there. There will be light. There will be growth. There will be incredible transformation, but we can't rush there. We have to do the work that we need to do now before we get there. So I'm here in this podcast to share with you what I'm learning on my journey. And um, that's what I've committed to do. I'll tell you honestly, what I'm facing and what I'm looking at in hopes that it will be helpful to you. So I want to thank you for tuning in and joining me on this path and learning about what really matters in life and everyday spirituality. And until we're together the next time, remember that the most important thing you can focus on in this lifetime is love. So face your fear, be ready for whatever life brings you next, and then just love each and every moment of your precious life. Bye-bye.